0: Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, Mila Jovovich takes on David Harbour in a new reimagining of Hellboy. Hey guys, I'm Josh Horowitz. Welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Welcome to my podcast. Today's guest, as I said, is Mila Jovovich. Maybe it's Jovovich? I've heard it pronounced both ways. I think she's cool with it either way. To her face, I said Jovovich and she did not correct me, so... For the record, I'm going with that. Uh, Mila is currently starring in the new Hellboy film. This is not Guillermo de Toro's, not Ron Perlman's, no, this comes courtesy of director Neil Marshall of Game of Thrones fame and our old buddy, Mr. David Harbour, who is playing the man himself. Uh, This is a wild ride. This is crazy, R-rated, sick, perverse, fun um, action movie stuff, and Mila who is no stranger to genre filmmaking, uh, is playing the blood queen Nimue. So check that out. It is out in theaters this week. Mila Jovovich. Uh, this was a real pleasure. Always been a fan of Mila's going back to, I guess, like most people, I discovered her in the fifth element. Um, what, an, what a performance, what a crazy film from director Luke, Besson. we've talked about that film on this podcast before. So uh, a real treat to have her on to talk about, her early days um, moving from the USSR at five with her parents, her mom, who was an actor, um, kind of restarting here in America and kind of quickly hitting it big as an actress and model. And uh, Mila's, Mila's kind of hysterical, talking about her ups and downs in the early days when she didn't necessarily think she was naturally talented as an actor. She's very frank about that. And then she was hit with this like horribly reviewed return to the blue lagoon that sets her back. Uh, And it took the, the role in the fifth element as Leloo, of course, to get her back on track and to reignite her career. And since then, um, you know, she's been just kind of a part of, especially genre filmmaking. You know, I think of her, I think of the resident evil films, which have been, um, so vastly popular and, and frankly important, you know, as, as as a as a franchise that that featured a strong female action hero and made a gajillion dollars in the in the course of it. The, you know, Resident Evil was was out there um, before the spate of, of female-led superhero films. So say what you will about them, they really were an important part of um, of the strides we've made in, in uh, female representation as action heroes. Uh, and meet Mila. Mila was great. She's, she's very open about sort of, um, you know, her different priorities at different points in her life. Uh, very sweet talking about her family. Now her oldest, uh, daughter who's now, uh, pursuing acting and how Mila is kind of helping her in, in, in with those endeavors. Um, a real treat to get to know Mila today. So I hope you guys enjoy it as much as I did as for other stuff going on in the, in the Josh Horowitz universe. If you guys care or are interested, uh, I've been pretty busy. I've been running around like crazy, and there's a lot of fun um, video interviews out there, in addition to the podcast for you to enjoy. Uh, I was just in Las Vegas at CinemaCon, which is this kind of bizarre four days of song and dance presentations uh, by the movie studios for the exhibitors, for the guys that, uh, that 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 own the movie theaters out there. So they trot out a lot of movie stars and uh, get them excited about their slate of films coming up and in the process do a little bit of press. So I sat down with um, the Russo brothers, directors of Avengers Endgame, with Ansel Elgort and Finn Wolfhard, the stars of The Goldfinch, with Beanie Feldstein and Caitlin Deaver, uh, the stars of Smart. Um, talk to everybody from Jim Carrey and Olivia Wilde to Halle Berry. It was a, a ton of fun, interesting, cool interviews that we've been rolling out on NTV News' uh, YouTube page and their various social media platforms. So look out for those, those interviews. I'm tweeting them out as well. Um, there's a lot out there, and we're still kind of digging through it. Uh, in addition... I got a chance to catch up with the cast of Avengers Endgame, guys. No, I have not seen the movie. No one has seen the movie. The cast has not seen the movie. (laughs) It's kind of crazy. This one's under lock and key until the big premiere in a couple weeks. Um, And it's kind of fascinating how little we know about this culmination of the Avengers saga of the MCU. I mean, clearly it's going to go on, but also clearly we're going to lose some people. And there are some people who are going to come and go. So this is a, a big, a big moment in the Marvel universe. Um, so uh, a lot of fun. I got a chance to talk to Evans and Hemsworth and Scarlet, Ruffalo and Rudd, just a whole bunch of them. Um, and we played some fun, silly games and had, uh, had a blast over the weekend. So that stuff is also coming at you very soon. Uh, I will, again, send it out on the Twitterverse. On the Instagram verse, on the social media verse, on the verse, just look out for it. Um, and beyond that, oh wait, there's one, there two other things I want to mention. I'm sorry, guys, there's so much going on. Uh, Comedy Central, two new After Hours. Uh, that we've debuted very recently. Speaking of Hellboy, David Harbour did a Bananas After Hours with me that I absolutely adore. It is out there on Comedy Central's Facebook page. Look at Comedy Central After Hours or go to Comedy Central's YouTube page. David Harbour's one-man show in which he plays several characters, including Eleven from Stranger Things uh, we spent uh, a few hours together a few months back doing this, and it's it's delightful. you will enjoy trust me uh, and also a new after hours for you Game of Thrones fanatics out there, um, Paul Shear, the great Paul Shear stars in a very special Game of Thrones themed after hours with me uh, that I mean I think the less known the better, but basically. You know how a lot of us have been binging Game of Thrones, getting ready for the new season? It takes that premise and goes off into dark, strange areas. Uh, That's another one I love. So hope you guys enjoy those bits of comedy. Uh, And, uh, yeah, I'm exhausted. (laughs) It's busy. It's a busy time. But um, some more podcasts we're taping. Star Wars Celebration's coming up. Look. There's no rest for the weary. Uh, in the meantime, enjoy this conversation with Mila Jovovich. Remember to check out uh, the new Hellboy film. It's out in theaters this week. And remember to review, rate, and subscribe. Do happy, sad, confused. Spread the good word. Here's Mila.
1: Me too. I love all of your decor. <laughs>
0: There's a lot going on. It
1: really is. I can see that you were a kid who was into sci-fi yeah. and action. Yeah.
0: We, we grew up around the same time, about the same age, so these are probably yeah. some are more reference kidding? points. Yeah, are kidding? Like,
1: Big Trouble in Little China, I watched that so many times on, like, HBO or whatever. Yeah.
0: No, it's, it's a perfect movie. A perfectly weird, crazy movie. And
1: it was crazy, too, because I feel like when we were growing up, like... You literally would be flipping through the channels and just see the craziest stuff. Like, I watched Aliens when I was literally a little like too 10, young but that's or, perfect yeah. exactly <laughs> like my my daughter would never be allowed to watch the kind of or Big Trouble in Little China too it had some pretty racy yeah stuff in it right well it was oh
0: yeah like I, I feel like everyone I remember like yeah the traumatic like sleepover where we watched Jaws like and it was like way too young I remember watching here in New York on channel 11 like watching watched- The Exorcist like oh, oh my the come Exorcist
1: on. that was not good but even, like, Goonies.
0: Goonies is pretty pretty like, intense yeah, for a kid's movie. Yeah, it's
1: pretty intense. And also, like, you know, when Corey Feldman is translating The Housekeeper. And just that whole <laughs> scene t- is so non-PC. Like, yeah. you would never oh, be no, no, able no. to shoot that in any way, shape, or form today.
0: No. Nope. I don't think even um, Sloth would exist as a character right? today. Right?
1: Totally. Nope. <laughs>
0: well, we're okay, Mila. We're not the bad cursing. people. We're okay.
1: We turned out all right. Actually, yeah. No, I'm... You know what I actually feel is... It was kind of great because you had so much, like, gratuitous violence and sex on TV that you would just kind of flip through that you became a little yep. immune to it. We're
0: desensitized. By We're the dead way, inside.
1: What about Porky's? Do you remember
0: Porky's? Uh, yeah.
1: I remember being, like, eight <laughs> and, like, changing the channels and being like, oh, oh my God, butts. Male butts.
0: <laughs> I had a slightly different reaction, but, yeah, similar, similar. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that kinda, that's a good segue to get to get, to get the Hellboy uh, part of this conversation out of the way because this is this could traumatize some kids today in a good way. Hopefully, this is dark, weird stuff. It's good. It is
1: dark, weird stuff, but I feel like it's much more in tune with the graphic novels as yeah. well. You know, and it was so amazing that Mike Mignola actually, like, helped write the script. Yeah. Because he was so involved. He was on set. You know, he was there for us to ask questions to. He helped us with the characters. And I think working so closely with the writer of, you know, the property itself, you know, of Hellboy was amazing, you know, because it was really much more like the vision that he wanted for it to begin
0: with. It's interesting. I've seen the film, and it's a lot of fun. And it's interesting to find that there is a different... A different lane to explore this character. That um, you know, I love the Guillermo films too. Who doesn't? Oh, I mean, mean, I'm a
1: huge fan. Right. Ron Perlman's in Monster Hunter too I, I was know. like if he's not in this movie <laughs> you're going to see him in another one of my movies because I'm going to work with Ron
0: he's a character right? he's
1: amazing have you ever interviewed him? I have interviewed him uh, I need to
0: get him in here for an extended I conversation I mean literally yeah. he's
1: like I've never heard someone with that many one liners like <laughs> everything is a one liner
0: um <laughs> uh, Harbour's no slouch either in a different no, way Oh,
1: he is none, no slouch at all are you kidding I wouldn't be surprised if David Harbour is a director at some point later oh yeah because he's just like got like he's so Cerebral, mm. cerebral, right? Mm-hmm. Like he'll talk about Hellboy, and you think like it's some existential kind of like right. religious experience. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't understand half of what you're <laughs> talking you. about, <laughs> but I'm gonna go with it. <laughs> just, like, I just think the horns are kind of cool. Uh, yeah. Uber intelligent, <laughs>
0: like. I remember talking to him. I've talked to him a few times I actually. Just saw him I was at CinemaCon in Vegas and um he he seems like he was traumatized a little bit by the experience. I mean, he had to go through a lot. He I mean, that- went
1: through a lot. He did. I felt bad for him because, you know, at uh, listen, at the best of times you could be doing like a family drama around the dinner table sure. and you're going to be working 15-hour days. That's right. what it is in right. a film. You know, but this time we have to come in, I mean, I experienced it for like a week and not even as bad because I had like five hours of like body paint and things for some of the scenes, but he had every morning five hours to put on like a 40 pound plus costume of prosthetics, you know? And by the end of the day, poor guy, he would like just be sitting holding his head in his hands, like with the worst headache because, you know, the, the mass, the weight, and the, the literal the, weight. Yeah. The weight of yeah. the horns and everything. So yeah, it was pretty, you know, I think a lot of actors don't understand how much patience you need right. to do these kind of action films. They feel like, Oh, I'm just going to like, whatever. It's just like, just an action movie, yeah. but they don't get that you really do need to, like, keep it together because it's it's frustrating.
0: Well, and the concentration, as you all well know, I mean, doing the Resident Evil movies, as stunt heavy as those were, um, a lot of hurry up and wait. Oh, yeah. And a lot of um, intense concentration when it's, when it's your time to do it because you fuck up. You can get seriously injured. Oh, yeah. Like, that's... <laughs> this is no joke. No, are you a,
1: kidding? It, it, Even on Hellboy, at one point, I was working um, with Doug... Oh, it's just like, Doug, he he plays the gruagach, my, okay. my henchman, uh-huh. my pig henchman. <laughs> and he's lovely, lovely guy. And he also had this animatronic head that's like a 50-pound helmet yeah. that he wore. And at one point, he's like, does anyone smell smoke? And we're like, no. And he's like, I don't know. Something's kind of getting smoky in here. And I'm, as being a mom, I'm like... Get the helmet off him! No! And like send, because everyone's just standing around, like not really knowing, because it's going on inside his head, you know, literally. Internally. Internally. (laughs) And I guess the wires had crossed because the whole head moves and the nose moves and it was burning on the inside, poor guy. So, you know, after that, I was like, that's it for that head. You can retire that head, and so that's we, it. So that, that was practical
0: on set? That's practical a, that's on That's pretty set. awesome.
1: You know, uh, that's what's great about this movie, too. There was a lot of practical effects going yeah. on, which I think is great because it is such a throwback um, to the way people used to do things when they were very tactile artists. Yeah. Um, and of course, you know, CGI is amazing and the guys that are doing the computer stuff are incredible, but there is something I love about just like getting your hands dirty, you know, like, you know, when I make a zombie movie, it's like, you see the zombies, you see the makeup, you see like the work that these artists do to create these incredible pieces and set pieces. Totally.
0: Um... Obviously like especially since the I mean going back to Fifth Element and then Resident Evil kind of raises the stakes to a whole nother level for you in terms of like genre stuff like what percentage of material that you get is genre based does it does it come to you do you go after it at this point uh, You is know it what? Sort at of- this
1: point I don't have to like go after it yeah. I mean definitely it comes to me but it's funny I mean I never you know my mom was a movie star in the Soviet Union in right. the 70s and you know so she kind of taught me what she knew and, and she's always like who would have thought that this is what you would do, being covered in dirt, covered in blood, like who ever thought such a beautiful glamorous girl that this is where her career <laughs> would go? And I'm like, well, it's actually like a great career. Yeah. And like, I have people that really love my movies. And she's like, oh, please. <laughs> <laughs> <That> <laughs> when will you be glamorous? When, when you wear you a beautiful dress? <laughs> you, know, you know, being a movie star. You know, so she just can't get over, like...
0: She wants you and Kira Knightley to switch careers, basically. Well, pretty
1: much, pretty much, (laughs) you know, but she, per thing, she just, like, is missing the glamorous part of me, but, you know, I, I do feel like, um, I grew up, I mean, we grew up at the same time, so we grew up with so much of, like, the action, so much of the sci-fi, so much of the fantasy, thank you, and, um... You know, even, like, coming home from school, like, what would I watch? Thundercats, She-Ra. It was all, like, these very powerful women characters. But then, like, of course, being a fan of, let's say, Sigourney Weaver, because, you know, she traumatized me at, like, such an early age, flipping through the channels. But then, like, I, you know, I would see Alien, like, every night for, like, months when they would play it on TV. And so, of course, I became a huge fan and wondered, like, why there weren't more women taking on monsters in a way. Yeah. And it was all like such a male oriented genre. Um, you know, I and I wanted to see more women to represent, like me up there doing it, not always like Arnold and Sly and like all sure. you know. Well, that was the eighties. The eighties kind of was thing.
0: pop mostly yeah. pop, outside of Sigourney and, and aliens, it felt yeah. and some cartoons you mentioned, it was it was the the Van Dams and the Seagals Yeah. And, all that. And,
1: and so, you know, when I did Fifth Element, it just it really felt like almost full circle or something like all the 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 interests and loves that I had as a kid like escaping into these other worlds like Lord of the Rings you know Dune all Mm -hmm. of these different fantasies that I would go into and suddenly like here I am on set playing an alien from another planet you know with these incredible sets and like really going into these different universes and just spoke to me. You know, I yeah. was like, oh my God, I found like my place in the world. Like this is so me. Like I'm geeking out right now, you know?
0: Well and it must have felt like, yeah, I mean, to be on those kind of sets, you're like, oh, I'm in a movie. Like this is what you imagine when you're a kid. Right? A, a movie set yes, should for be. For real, you
1: know? like Universal Studios tour, you know? Like, yeah. but that's my work every day. So I think like I, you know, I think people could feel when they watch Fifth Element how much fun I had. And I think you know when it went like to Joan of Arc or Resident Evil. Like again, like people, I, I don't know. There's a passion that I have for these kind, this genre that I think translates on screen. For and, sure. and,
0: and when did you start to get a sense? Like, what did it did it hit you even at that time that like you know, the importance of something like Resident Evil, which maybe at the time felt like, oh, like a cool job, but like maybe didn't feel like it would have the resonance that it it really has resonance for kids and for young women. You know what,
1: I didn't think at the time that it would, but you know, I feel like anything you do for the right reasons is gonna resonate. And I did Resident Evil. Like I was already like super high on myself. I mean, I was like 23 years old at the time. I was like the coolest person ever in my own head. I was Leeloo, I was Joan of Arc, I was like right. already like I action I only Icon,
0: sorry guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah
1: exactly. <laughs> I was totally that annoying person when I was young. And uh, you know, I, I would play Resident Evil with my little brother when he was 13 and we played for hours. We were like totally addicted to it. And so I said, well, I told my agent, if you ever hear them making the movie, you gotta get me in for it because my brother would die. And so that's how that whole thing came about. And so I joke with my brother now I'm like, without you playing Resident Evil with me, like, I wouldn't have my family, I wouldn't be married to the, you know, yeah. the love of my life, a lot like, out of that my career, yeah. like, <laughs> everything, you, like, set me up for the next, like, 20 years of my life, oh, it's God, hilarious. you're
0: big time, that's not a good place to be. <laughs> I know, I have siblings, I know what that's like. Um, so, okay, let's let's go back a little bit, you, you talked a little bit about, um, you, you moved here to the States when you were, what, about five years old? Five, yeah. Um, mom had been a successful actress back home, yes. but from when I gather, I mean, it, it's kind of mind-boggling. I mean, you guys basically escaped from Soviet Union, as yes, I understand yes, it, right? Yes, defected. Yeah. yeah. Um, and had to basically start over. Um, yeah, it
1: wouldn't happen today, I tell you what. Interesting time. <laughs> yes.
0: You want to get political, you can get political. No, 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 no. I really don't want to get political. Jeez. No, but um, I mean, is it your, true your, your parents like worked as like housekeepers like, yeah. here? Yeah.
1: Actually, funnily enough, my parents worked as housekeepers um, in this kind of mansion that was being rented to all different people, like movie stars, John Travolta rented the house. At one point, um, my dad got me an autograph from him from staying alive because it was like 1982 or right. something like that. And Brian De Palma and Amazing. like all Christopher Reeve. I remember playing with his son. Wow. And like going to the beach with them, they took me out for the day, like because I was like the little kid sure. on the property, living in the guest house off the garage, you know. Yeah. So like anyone who had kids, like I'd be the helps kid kind of thing, right? That, you know, it was so it was the kids' right to play with me. <laughs> sure, <laughs> it was that's like, part of the package. Yeah, the exactly, deal. and you get like a friend <laughs> for your child. Um, but it was it was uh, it was it, it was funny because uh, my mom actually saw Brian, like. I don't I mean it must have been 10 years later or whatever probably a little bit more and of course she had like all these covers of me and she was like and she was driving a Jaguar that I had bought for her mm-hmm. as a present and she was like "Oh Brian so nice to see you please take a look at my daughter she's just on the cover of Vogue you know or whatever probably not Vogue but something yeah. So she was
0: super happy about that. It was very cute. I mean, she, it, from what I gather in reading, like, you know, she she did groom you. Like, she wanted this for you. Yes. This was the life she she imagined and hoped for you.
1: Well, it was the life she wanted for herself. Right, right. You know, but uh, moving to America, not speaking English. I mean, she was, I guess, 28 when we got here and just so gorgeous, yeah. but at the same time, just didn't have connections, didn't have a grip on the language and You know, played a bit of, like, little bit parts. But at the same time, you know, we grew up living the kind of immigrant's fantasy of, like, making it in America. You know, so it was just important that we all worked really hard. That's why I
0: started so young. Yeah. And you did start pretty young. I mean, by the time you are what, like, 11 or 12, you you're successful. Yeah, I did my first film at 11
1: and and did my first, like, real fashion shoot at 11 and stuff. And the modeling kind of took off very quickly. And it uh, was very controversial and stuff. Right. Yeah. It made a big splash pretty early on for, like, probably all the wrong reasons. Well,
0: it is. I, so, you know, I, I went
1: down like... that then again, th- today would never go down. No, totally. <laughs> I mean, like, I went down the... I'm, U- like, such a product of the 80s. It's not even
0: funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, it worked out. Um, but, like, the YouTube rabbit hole for you is kind of fascinating. Because, like, there are these early, vid- these early interviews with you. Oh, like, my God. It's so embarrassing. Like, on the Ugh. Return to Blue Lagoon press Ugh. tour. I can't... Well, it's not even, I mean, I wouldn't even be embarrassed for yourself. It's more, I'm almost more embarrassed for like the questions you were asked and the way you were positioned because it's Mm. like you're really young. Yeah. And it's like you're, obviously a lot's being talked about your beauty and your. Yes, and and like what is it like to feel like
1: sensual? which is like, just well, not right it's a not a child about being sad. I mean, now i look at it i cringe and my answers and i'm trying to be so mature and i'm like well and like the tone of my voice i just want to like if i was her mother i would just grab me and like shake me and be like don't you ever say that again <laughs>
0: Well, and your daughter's probably about the age now when you were. Yes, right. Yes, she just turned eleven. Jesus, let me turn my phone off. No, no worries. Um, Um,
1: Yeah, so it's crazy, but you know, at the same time, it's like my daughter has an incredible talent too. She's an amazing actress, and actually, like, if my mom had her. It probably would have been a very different kind of career because my my daughter is actually really amazing. Like she's going to be the award winner in the family. Amazing. Like she's like that good kind of thing.
0: And we'll um, skip over the Blue Lagoon movie. We'll exactly. Just go right to, do you
1: know what I mean? Yeah. Like actually, we've been letting her go on a few auditions, and she goes to acting class, and she's really serious about it. And uh, she got requested to go in for like this horror movie, and I was like, absolutely not. You're better than that. <laughs> You're not gonna have the career that I had. Like you're gonna like do different things. It's like the typical that you know. But it's true. Like I felt like your talent is amazing. Like we have to save it for something that's really gonna showcase it in the best possible way. You know, that's awesome. And because we don't need to like like farm her out to work. You know, we're not in that position, which is great. Well,
0: and that that leads me to the the other thought, which is like when you're like being so successful at that point, was there any downside to kind of being the breadwinner for the family is that is that a lot to put on a a 12 or 13 year old I mean
1: I guess it is but then again I feel like I definitely grew up with a lot of responsibility yeah um which you know I think in this day and age like people don't have that responsibility I mean you have today a little more well yeah you have like adults who have, are growing up in their twenties that don't know how to do like simple things for themselves, you know? And for me, I was supporting my family at such an early age. I had like, you know, I had a job to do and I had, I did have pressure, but by the way, I think pressure is important for, for humans, you know, that's what, that's what makes us strong people, you know?
0: Yeah. So, so I feel like if I had, I mean, trust
1: me, my daughter might not be working, but like The amount of homework that we do every day, I feel like I'm in detention. Do you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, because we demand that she gets like nothing less than a B. And, you know, it's like crazy. She's in a French school. And, you know, by the time Taekwondo is finished and by the time homework is finished, sometimes it's like 1030 at night and she's still up. So she works hard.
0: Um, a different kind of a, a life that than you were leading, it seemed, seemingly in your teens. I mean, like, to read about you in your teens, I feel like if I looked up, like, rebellious in the dictionary at 16, I would see Mila Jovovich.
1: Me? Seriously? Yeah. Uh, well, come on. There was a lot of
0: kids that were much worse than me. Well, no, Again, and look, it all worked out in the end, but, like... I mean, I'm, I
1: survived.
0: That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you survived. You, you've got a good head on your shoulders, a good family. But
1: by the way... I feel like if I didn't have the responsibility to my family, I could have gone off the deep end. Right. But I always had that kind of pulling me back when people were like, yeah, let's just go to one more thing. I'd be like, no, I got to go to work tomorrow. I got to, I have things to do. Like I knew that I couldn't let people down around me. And I think that was like something that kind of gave me this big stop sign in my head. Sure. So that where I could have potentially killed myself, you yeah. know, doing drugs or doing crazy stuff, like it was—it was the one thing that kind of gave me a guideline of like what, to know when to stop, to know right. when to say no.
0: What, what, did, what did the fam make of uh, the decision to be on the cover of High Times at the age oh, of sixteen? Disaster!
1: Oh my God! <laughs> my mom was heartbroken. Oh, it was awful. It was really awful. But you know, I, I thank God I wasn't living at home by that point mm-hmm. because you know I just talked to her on the phone, and thank God we didn't have Skype or FaceTime <laughs> back then either. Because so I just kind she of I the just, like, held, I just like held the phone like about <laughs> six inches away from my ear, and I could still hear her yelling. Like, the good Um,
0: news is I got another magazine cover.
1: Yes, yes. (laughs) Like, but by the way, I feel like she didn't even see it for ages, too, because, like, when would my mom see High Times? Right, you know, there was no internet at the time. So it was a couple of years (laughs) before I had to face that music.
0: (laughs) Um, And that was in the period, so, like, you know, before before Fifth Element, you were appearing in films. You did Days and Confused. That's like understanding. You took a bit of a break after Days and Confused. Did some music got into your music career. Yeah. Was was that a conscious effort to step back from film for a, a little while?
1: It was. It was because I I definitely um, you know as an actor I I never had like this natural talent that some people do, mm-hmm. and it would have behooved me to have gone to class. It would have it would have done better, I think for me long term. I mean, saying that it's like 30 years later and I'm still around doing an interview with you for Hellboy. <laughs> but I'm just saying like my career as a young person could have been much more credible. Yeah. Um if I would have worked on my talent more, but because I had to start. I mean, probably back to your other question of like is there anything that wasn't good about starting so young? I think You know, growing up in the public eye when you don't have that talent like grounded yet was really difficult because, you know, I got I was horrible in Richard's Blue Lagoon and the movie got horrible reviews. And at 14, I'm reading like these awful things about me, you know, so it was really difficult. And that, you know, my confidence was really low. And, you know, it's it's hard. I mean, of course, there is like a fake it till you make it that people should have if they're in this business. But it helps when you really are um, secure with what you can do. Yeah. And I just wasn't. So, of course, I was on this kind of quest to find myself. And so music, I felt like more mine. Like it was something that I would do every day. I would write. I would yeah. play guitar. It was like I would put the time in. And I, I just never had time to go to acting class because I was like modeling and traveling and right. working already, you know?
0: So by the time you get on the set and you land this amazing role in Fifth Element, um, which is obviously a huge opportunity. Everybody knew that by the time Luke was on top of the world. Um, How did you have the confidence to achieve what you did on that one? Or was it...
1: Well, funny you should ask that because um, I worked, like, for four months before principal photography started. Luke had me in, like, a few different acting classes, performing. I was working with private coaches Um, because, I mean, even even if I was the best actor in the world, like, it's such a crazy character. Yeah. And it's so different from anything that we've ever seen before that, like, he was just trying to get me out of my head completely. Yeah. Because you would, in a way, have to, like, make such a fool of yourself playing this part and feel so stupid most of the time and just have to, like, trust that, like, it, he's getting it. Right. Um. That he he didn't want me, like, coming in as myself. He wanted me completely clean, leave yourself at the door and just bring this like little creature in when you come. Um, so it took a lot for me to get rid of like a lot of emotional baggage and stuff and you know, working like consistently for those months, like was something that I had never done before. It was like such a gift that he gave me, you know, because I actually discovered that, you know, if I work hard, I can achieve being a good actor, you know?
0: Yeah. Um, as you can imagine given what's in in this office and my age like uh, th- that film just rocked my world Un- oh, it's like just, unbelievable. It's one of
1: the only films that my kids can watch that I've ever made so it, it, I'm it, so
0: grateful for it. Yeah, it's just it's so out there in the best possible way and there's so much richness in the film for I, and, and so
1: many great I mean like Chris Tucker
0: Yeah, what Coleman's doing, that, what everybody's I mean, doing is just that everyone's going for broke yeah, and somehow it works.
1: Yeah, it really does. Um no, everything came together for that for that movie. It was one of my favorite favorite experiences ever.
0: Is that language like burned into your brain until you're there? Kind dying of burned
1: day? into my head. I mean, uh, not like not like the nitty gritty anymore, but you know, definitely the the feeling of playing Lillu will never leave. And I think there's always like, you know, funnily enough, I think when Luke saw me and I auditioned for it, it wasn't like I had to read the lines, but I, he asked me to speak gibberish and stuff. And I think. There was a little part of Lilu in me that he saw. Yeah. Um, and then to be able to really like work on that more and solidify like her spirit in yeah. me, I feel like she'll always be there and totally. You know, that that kind of like you know, I've always been fascinated with reality and that kind of like awe that you feel when you wake up every morning and be like, Wow, look at the sunrise. Yeah. Wow,
0: life is great, you know. Are, are any of the memories of that film colored by obviously you were in a relationship with Luke? Luke's had some very unfortunate allegations against him in the last year. Does that color at all sort of what you you look back on, obviously with a great deal of fondness and what was obviously an important part of your life?
1: I mean, listen, I had the most incredible time on that film. And, you know, Luke and I had a very, very big love. And, you know, we've remained friends. I mean, I haven't spoken to him in, in quite a while, in a couple of years. So... You know, I, 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 I'm, yeah. I didn't know this side of him that right. is being portrayed today. No, That's for enough. sure. So. No, I, 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 mean, I'm. I, I mean, it's, I'm. It's like
0: shocking to me. I, l- literally shocking to me. I can't imagine. Yeah, I mean, I, I got to spend a lot of time with him for. Uh, actually, I was on the set of Valerian, which was. Like, oh yeah. Oh, like just like. I'm bucket sure list, that was like, probably crazy. Amazing. Yeah. Um, Anyway, coming coming off of, of that experience, you obviously collaborate again on, on The Messenger, another icon of yeah. uh, Joan of Arc. Yeah, uh, we did
1: some amazing stuff together. I mean, he definitely brought out the best in me, yeah.
0: that's for sure. So so going from those kind of iconic and kind of instantly iconic, I mean, Joan of Arc is obviously an icon. Lilu became very quickly someone that was embraced and still is embraced to this day yeah. by a generation. Um did it was it a tough act to follow for you? I mean, you you start you worked with some really cool like you know vendors, Michael Winterbottom. Like yeah. I could I can see you like wanting to like work with like cool different kind of filmmakers. Was that happenstance? Was that a concerted kind of plan?
1: Well, no, that was a concerted plan because you know between pretty much like my agents and you know also at the same time like I looked at myself at that point as a serious actress. Like I. You know, I definitely expected to like win awards and all yeah. the whole nine yards. Um, so I was like trying to do Indies and trying to do that whole thing and um and made some really great movies. You know, I, I think really, once the whole Resident Evil thing kicked off for real, um, you know, it it just became and and by the way, by the third one, i I got pregnant the next year. Right. And then, and then it just, it started becoming very difficult to, like, do indie after indie. To go after
0: it all. To do both that, which was obviously very good to your life and, and yeah, career. Yeah, and, 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 and it's something
1: that I enjoyed doing so yeah. much, like, and, and by the way, there was always this feeling that, like, when I do this big action movie, like, I know it's going to turn out great. Right. And I, I can expect that it's going to be great because Paul's doing it yeah. and, you know, I just, I, there was a comfort factor in that as well like you do a bunch of indie films you never know what they're going to end up being and for the most part you know they're like okay but nothing like it takes a lot to have like an indie movie that really works you know you have to do loads of them and after traveling with my kids with my daughter at the time like I didn't I think it's one point I did like four movies that year I was exhausted and I was like this isn't fun and th- I'm not being a fun mom I'm always tired I'm like you know I, I I needed to slow down and just like choose what I wanted to do and at that point like I definitely wanted to be an action hero I really enjoyed that part of my life like do I really need to go into these dark places to play these like dark characters or these dramas and and it does affect you after work you can't just leave it at home I mean it probably takes a very special actor to be able to compartmentalize it yeah yeah. to not bring stuff home but um I decided you know I want to do fun
0: things well and you have less to Prove hopefully to yourself. Like you're not you're not the 15 year old you where you were. In, it well, sounds like in your heart of hearts yes. you were like, I'm not ready for this. And I don't I don't deserve this. Yes. Now yes. look, you've worked with Edward Norton and De Niro and these great directors and held your own more than held your own. Oh, thank you, thank you.
1: And what did it give me? <laughs> <laughs>
0: where am I? I'm, I'm, I'm the right? queen of I'm blood. Like, yeah.
1: I mean, honestly, though, I mean, it was pretty much that movie Stone that I was like, you know what? If I can't like win an award after being with these kind of guys and holding my own and being super happy with my performance but the movie was like not great and just go what does it take you know so I just went you know what there's some there's the universe is telling me something that I should just rather than trying so hard to like win an award why don't you just have fun and do what makes you feel good. Right. Because you can't go wrong with that. Yeah. And it's like, if you do what makes you feel good, even if the movie does turn out crappy, at least you had fun doing it. And at least, like, you had a great time. Totally. And so you can always stand behind it, you know? So no matter how cheesy something is or no matter what, like, you know, I I could go to sleep at night knowing that I did it for the right reasons, yeah. you know?
0: What's um and you and you worked with Paul again recently? You said that that's the Ron Perlman. Uh, oh, for Monster
1: Hunter, yeah. So what what what's
0: what's a what's a Paul Anderson set like? What's your husband's? How does he run his sets? That you that um, obviously you enjoy because you you love your husband, hopefully, but also uh, you probably enjoy whatever environment he's you know. Creating. Paul
1: is is a really incredible director, and he's one of the most loved directors around like you ask any crew that he's ever worked with yeah. and they're like Paul is the best because you know what Paul takes his job super seriously and he thinks like a producer as well so he's super super organized and super on top of it he starts prep you know so far in advance yeah. so by the time we start shooting he's got everything storyboarded he's got everything's so ready and already editing things in his own head so he's like cutting things before he's shot them because he knows that, you know what, most likely this is gonna end up on the cutting room floor anyway. And like, you save money that way, you save building sets, you save, you know, headaches. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's rare. There's, it's, just trust me when I say it's rare to work with people. (laughs) That are that organized and that are that on top of it because you know, a lot of directors, especially when they do action or fantasy and they're like serious, they kind of leave it to their first, they kind of leave it to other people, and they don't care as much because it's like, oh, this isn't a serious movie, right? And, um, you know, for Paul, like, this is his life, he's like, this is how he grew up, he was like the dungeon master. When he was a kid, you know, like he was writing scripts for his like five friends, you know, at, in their basement, you know, in Newcastle. Right. Um, and now he's like, it's funny because I still write scripts. Now I just get paid to do what I love. You know, it's That's like back awesome. then I was the dungeon master and I just did it for fun.
0: <laughs> do you have, I mean, you're, you're raising a couple kids. You're, you're pretty busy, clearly. Um, do you consume much in terms of film and TV? What do you, what, what do you...
1: You know what? I don't get...
0: um, Do you watch through your kids or what do you...
1: Well, listen, I I don't watch enough um, because, yeah, in our house to watch a movie takes like four days because the kids keep running in and we have to pause it because if it's something scary or something, you know, like racy you know, forget about trying to watch Game of Thrones. I mean <laughs> you know, it's like please, like there's always gonna be like a butt or a peepka, peepka, is, you know, in Russian, it's like it sounds, we, I, think I, can, I think I can figure it yeah. out. <laughs> there's I always shouldn't something be looking at always like, boom, pause, you know. <laughs> but what I did do and I felt like it was my right to do this the last month. Well actually it took me like about three weeks to get through all nine seasons of the office that's, that's worked, time worth I doing. I worked incredibly hard. <laughs>
0: Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. you. Did such I a put good the job. time
1: in. I laid in bed for weeks just watching episodes. That's after. just sheer joy. Was, that's ugh. just. And it's funny because I really related to Jim, especially like, you know, with the whole Hellboy of it all, because when Hellboy came about, like I was kind of, you know, just wondering like, what am I going to do now? Resident Evil's finished. And like, and then suddenly, I had this real gym moment where I was like, "What am I gonna do with all this useless information in my head?" <laughs> gotta like, use this for good. You know, like, <laughs> I've done for the last twenty years. I've like fought zombies and done wire work, and yep. I really know how to work closely with the visual effects department. And you know, I I I, I definitely make things easier on one of those sets. Like I'm a pro when yep. it comes to this. But like, what am I gonna do now? Like, where am I gonna use this stuff? You know. So it was actually perfect when Hellboy came up because I was like, great, here we go again, let's do it. Like, so when
0: you're on set of Hellboy, you're as much an advisor expert that can be like, guys, I know how this how Well,
1: this I done. mean, listen, definitely if there's a problem, I can help fix it. You know, I mean, there's certain things that like, I mean, that on different action films, like I didn't realize that certain stunt people didn't run in heels. Well, I've been running in heels my whole life, so I didn't need my stunt double on the thing because I was like, "Well, I'll just do it. Sure. I can run in heels, you know." So, certain things like that, or even like, you know, there's a point where my character uh, gets sewn back together by these witches, right. and I sort of like, you know, get up and do these kind of weird things, and and uh, and walking in this weird way, and and when I was. Imagining it in my head, I thought you know she's gonna have problems it's been five thousand years since she's moved her body like there's probably they're gonna probably add something in post or do those like weird cuts to make me look truncated yeah, yeah, yeah so I like did it first, yeah because i I knew that that would help them do you know that that would just make less to like make those cuts and make it more real right. too you know so it wouldn't have to look just like a visual effect you know sure so there's little things like that where I'm thinking ahead, you know. And then just saving things time. Like when I was chopped up on the couch and they cut, they cut a hole in the couch for me to kneel in and you know, they're like, Oh, do you want to get out of the hole? Just stretch your legs. But it was like three o'clock in the morning and I'm like, you know what? I don't need to stretch my legs. I'm used to being uncomfortable. Let's just keep shooting because I know once I get out of the hole, it's going to take like 20 minutes to get back in and have them rearrange everything. It's like, it's fine. So, you know, that's like, it goes with the property. Like, you hire me for a movie, like, She's got a I can set of deal. Skills do guys. Do you know what I mean? I can deal <laughs> with, like, pretty harsh climates. I can deal with really awkward, uncomfortable situations. You don't, don't want like, to
0: let this get out there because now they're just going to hire you for the toughest possible shoots. Are like, you like you kidding? Well,
1: that's what my mom says. She's like, I cannot believe it. You work for it. You're, they make you work for it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> have you ever done a role where you've had that kind of accent? The tradition, the kind of like the well, Russian Katinka. accent? Oh, sure. That's right. Right. D-lander, that was like my
1: kind of, you know, homage, homage to mm-hmm. my mom.
0: <laughs> that must've been delicious to do. Of
1: course, my mom has no clue what I'm talking about. She's <laughs> like, I don't sound like that. <laughs> like,
0: okay. Amazing. And then, okay, so wrapping it up full circle. Um, so what are you, what are you telling your daughter as she starts to <laughs> endeavor on this? Like, are, are you, does she, is she listening to you for, for advice or is she sort of charting around path?
1: Well, listen the the interesting thing about my daughter is that she does listen to my advice for sure, but it's like I'm learning from her as much as she's learning from me because yeah. you know, I'd never been that close to a kid that's so naturally talented yeah. and just for me to watch her, like she needs help sometimes just to like connect with something. Yeah. But once she like plugs in and is able to relate to it in her own way, she just flies and it's like crazy because she she underplays things like most kids overdo it but like her first instinct is to like underdo it which is just so fabulous to watch because it's just real like sometimes it just doesn't even feel like she's acting you know and um, and it, it was great we were rehearsing for this audition and somehow it just wasn't she wasn't connecting with it and I didn't you know I definitely don't well, anyway, she said to me, "Mom, well, what do you want? Like, just tell me what you want, and I'll do it." And you know that was how my mom rehearsed with me. She would just like say the line and have me imitate her, and it wasn't good because my imitation was never as good as her performance because right. it was always second best. Yeah, had to find your
0: own path into it. And that's yeah. what I
1: said. Honey, I can't tell you what to do. You gotta, you gotta find it yourself. That's the only way that it's gonna ring true. Is if you find it, I said. Well, you know, why don't we just talk about it a little bit more? Like, what's the scene? What's the character? I said, you know, because in the scene, she's angry at her mom, and and of course, she never gets angry with me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but I was like, when was the last time you were angry with me? Blah, blah blah. We were trying to think, but you know, she 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 has to be like, you're ruining my life. I hate you. Okay. And I, I, you know, we were just trying to figure it out. And I said, Well, when was the last time you felt super frustrated? And she goes, Oh my God, it's school with my math teacher. (laughs) And I just wanted to tell her. And immediately she goes off. And I was like, Perfect. Use Use that Mm -hmm. in the scene. And like, it was amazing. Like, she literally started crying during the scene. She was like, So good, you know? So it's, yeah, it's one of those things where we learn from each other and, and, uh,
0: it's you know. it's crazy to think how far we've come again from this even this conversation you talk about the insecurities as a, as a as a teenager not feeling like you didn't have the stuff and, and isn't
1: you- that funny? If I didn't go through that, who knows? I might be telling my daughter to parrot me right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But like if I didn't go through that, I wouldn't be able to help her just find it herself. and I mean, it's so true like everything happens for a reason. Totally. you know if only I would have known back then that like, don't worry. Your insecurity and your, you know, feeling pathetic is really gonna pay off in the end right. when your kid is like ready to start.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, that I think we got a, a heartwarming way to end this conversation for uh, for this nice R-rated, sick, twisted, fun movie, Hellboy. It is
1: fun <laughs> and it is sick and twisted. I had a great time. You know, I, when I watch my movies, I'm always so nervous, and I feel like sometimes I just can't like. Get into the film because I'm like critiquing myself, but with this one, as you know, as soon because I'm open the movie kind of you so do. yeah and in a big way. I, I really enjoyed it, and suddenly I just went with it and didn't even think about it anymore. And I had such a great time watching it. I and I had to close my eyes during times, which is saying something because I know like how they do all that stuff. But if I have to close my eyes, you know that something's scary too.
0: And by the way, her character's pretty resilient. Don't be worried in the first five minutes. It might seem like she's not gonna last too long. A little beheading never hurt anybody, and you're fine. And stabbing through the
1: heart and chopping into little pieces and buried alive. If I anyone mean, can bounce back
0: from that, it's Mila. It's fine. <laughs> um, thanks for stopping by today, always welcome here. Good to Thank get to know you. you.